Hello and welcome to another episode of the Kids Stories Podcast. I'm Phil Bechtel. Today's episode is sponsored by The Week Junior. One thing I love about The Week Junior is how it inspires our kids to explore the world around them. After we get the new issue, it's only a matter of time before they come to us asking to get a new book that they read about in the book club section, or to watch a new video they read about in the on-screen section. And they are always the kinds of things we want them watching and reading, you know? Jackson, what's one thing from The Week Junior that we were checking out recently? We looked up that Kennedy Center video where the kids write a poem and then they turn that into a song with a real musician. Yeah, the songbook series. That was very cool. And Colin, what's something you read about in The Week Junior that you checked out? Um, when we got that one app where we go outside and point it at the stars and it tells us about the constellations and everything. I remember. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Kids use The Week Junior as a springboard to spark ideas and seek out new interests for all kinds of things. Click on the link in the show notes or visit theweekjunior.com slash kidstories to try six risk-free issues of The Week Junior. Now let's get on to some shout-outs. Hello to Miss Taylor's first grade classroom out in Stellicum, Washington. Her students shared some amazing drawings. You all are awesome. I think if you were characters in the stories, you'd be students in a school like the Academy where you each have powers and abilities and you go on missions together. Thanks for listening, Miss Taylor's class. Ozzy and Etan from Israel like to listen. Thanks again for your drawing, Ozzy. I think if you two were characters in the stories, you'd be dragon bone hunters. And you'd search the land for dragon bones to use in your powerful potions. Thanks for listening, Ozzy and Etan. And Elias, Emma, and Eva have great questions and great ideas. You three are bright and inquisitive, and I love it. If you were characters in the stories, you'd be founders of the Sky Dojo. And you would live in hot air balloons and float around, keeping everyone safe from sky pirates. Thanks for listening, Elias, Emma, and Eva. Today's episode is titled Escape from the Red Cloaks Part 3. And I want to again thank Ari and Abel for their unique original ideas that helped build this series. Ari and Abel worked hard all through the rest of the night and into the morning. The entire Yeti village, even the Yeti kids, were helping out. They dug trenches, which they hoped they could corral the red cloaks to fall into. They made snowballs and ice balls, and they made ice shields that the Yeti could lift up to help protect them from magical attacks. They hid the ice shields and snowballs all around the little village. So what does the snowstone do anyway? asked Abel while they were working. It helps to maintain the cold here in the wastes, said one yeti. Without it, the entire region would die off, and all the creatures and plants would become extinct. Oh, so it's pretty important then, said Abel. Yes, it's pretty important, agreed the yeti. Where do you keep it? asked Ari. We don't tell outsiders where the stone is kept, said the yeti. Even some yeti don't know where it is. It's safer that way. Ari and Abel agreed, and as they completed their preparations, they discussed the plan. All right, so I think the best thing is for everyone, for all you Yeti, to just act natural, said Abel. Just try and act like it's a regular day. That way the Red Cloaks won't suspect anything when they approach. The Yeti standing around all nodded and went about their day as if they were totally not about to be attacked by some super bad wizards. Ari and Abel and some of the other Yeti hid in certain spots around town. 
Some hid behind buildings, and some hid down in holes and trenches they dug in the snow, ready to leap up and attack at a second's notice. Ari and Abel hid behind a building. They planned on rushing out once they heard the fighting start. As the morning became the middle of the day, and the sun was right above them in a cloudless sky, the Red Cloaks attacked. They snuck around the trees until they had nothing else to hide behind, and then they rushed out into the road that led into the village. Bring us the snowstone and we will spare your village, yelled one Red Cloak. The Yeti stopped and looked to him. The three evil wizards were waiting, holding magical items like wands and staffs, ready for battle. Ari and Abel stepped out from the building they were hiding behind. Other Yeti joined them as they approached the Red Cloaks. You think you can capture two of our Red Cloaks? The Red Cloak leader yelled, misunderstanding the situation. They didn't capture us. We ran away, said Abel. You can't have the snowstone. The Red Cloaks grinned evil grins. You've turned on us? You've sided with a bunch of smelly yeti? We'll side with whoever you're trying to steal from, said Abel. We know you're bad. You're all bad, and we're not a part of it anymore. Of course you're a part of it, said the leader. You've been a part of it your entire lives. You stole the golden books of Bazoor from the white wizards. You stole a dragon stone from a wizard's college. You stole a magical goofball recipe from an old lady. You are bad. It was difficult for Ari and Abel to listen to this. They felt bad about all the things they had done. But hearing the leader yelling out their mistakes only motivated them more to want to make it right. They were determined to return everything they stole to the rightful owners, and it all started right here, right now. The brothers revealed their wands as well. We're going to make it right, said Ari, starting with you. Ari and Abel blasted thick beams of magical energy from their wands at the leader, but he spun out of the way just in time for the beams to rip through his cloak. A group of yeti rushed one red cloak, and as he thrust his staff forward to attack, more yeti right near him popped out of a hole they were hiding in. The evil wizard was instantly tackled from all sides by the yeti. All the yeti wandering around the town acting natural now grabbed ice shields as one red cloak blasted fireballs into the sky. The flaming bombs dropped into town, peppering everyone there with fire. The flaming balls splashed down onto their thick frozen shields of ice that the yeti held up toward the sky in defense. The leader sprinkled powder over himself as he ran to find cover behind a building. The powder made him invisible and the brothers jerked their heads from side to side to try and get his location. Ari reached down and grabbed some snowballs from a pile nearby. Abel did the same, and they launched snowball after snowball in the general direction of the leader. They could see his footprints in the snow, and soon their snowballs smacked into his cloak. Even though the red cloak was invisible, they could see where he was because of the snow sticking to his cloak. Again, they blasted him with the power of both their wands, and the beam hit him square in his chest, knocking him back against a building. The attack would knock out most adversaries, but this red cloak happened to be wearing a shield amulet that deflected most of the attack. The red cloak leader just stood back up and continued attacking. 
Ari and Abel now dodged out of the way, leaping in opposite directions and landing in mounds of fresh snow as the wizard's magical blasts zapped all around them. The yeti continued to subdue the wizard with the staff, piling on him and tearing away his magical items. They ripped the staff from his hands and broke it in half. They grabbed magical necklaces, holding powerful amulets, and snapped them off. Soon he was being held down by incredibly strong yeti with no magical items to help him. The other yeti in town attempted to rush the fireball wizard, holding their shields in front of them for protection. But the flames soon melted the shields and the yeti were forced to retreat. The red cloak floated up into the air, flying with the help of some magic, and he began blasting fireballs down upon the yeti of the village with much greater accuracy. The older yeti ran to Ari and yelled, Get ready! Ari had no idea what this meant, so he stood still and waited. The old yeti grabbed Ari and tossed him high up into the air, way higher than Ari had ever been, right up to the red cloak blasting fireballs. This is bad, this is bad, this is bad, repeated Ari as he soared up into the sky, wondering how many injuries he would sustain falling from this height. But then he realized that the yeti had thrown him right up to the flying red cloak. Ari stuck his arms out as he passed and grabbed the fireball wizard's red cloak with both hands. The wizard lost his stability in the air, and soon they were spinning and twirling out of control back down to the ground. Everything whizzed by Ari at incredible speed until he and the red cloak landed harmlessly in a mound of freshly fallen snow. The yeti rushed their position, and there was a struggle. Before the red cloak was able to get some magic thing from his cloak, Ari clacked a magical handcuff onto one of his wrists. The red cloak held his other hand away to avoid being handcuffed, but Ari had another idea. He clicked the other end of the handcuff onto a yeti that had rushed up to help. The yeti stood up and held his arm out to the side. The red cloak dangled in the air. He struggled for a moment to try and get the magical handcuff off his wrist, but the yeti pulled him in close so that their faces were nose to nose and the yeti huffed in his face. The red cloak looked around and realized he was surrounded by yeti and magically handcuffed, so it was best if he simply gave up. He held out his free hand as if to say, You win. Meanwhile, Abel and the leader were trading magical blasts from their wands when Abel realized he wasn't getting anywhere, with the red cloak's shield amulet blocking all his attacks. Abel took another approach and called to Ari. Ari, now! he yelled across town. The brothers blasted the red cloak together, their two magic beams joining to form one, and it hummed through the air, targeting the leader's wand. There wasn't enough time to get away, and their blast exploded the leader's wand, and it fell to the ground in ashes. As the leader leaped to his feet and reached into his cloak to reveal another magical thing to fight with, he saw Ari and Abel and Yeti. He was completely surrounded and the other red cloaks were subdued and the village was quiet. The leader realized his only hope now was to surrender. All right, fine, said the leader. We'll leave. But if you... Oh, no, you don't, said the old Yeti. You three are staying here. You've got a lot of repairs to make. Everyone looked around now, noticing the damage done to the town. Errant magic blasts and fireballs had damaged many buildings, and the town was partially wrecked. 
Another yeti approached with a big sack that tinkled and jingled like it was full of metal things. And we're giving all your stuff to Ari and Abel. This yeti had already taken all the magical items from the other two red cloaks and put it in this bag. He began to rifle through the leader's pockets now, removing everything he could find while the leader grumbled and pouted. Once the yeti had taken every magical item from the red cloaks, he gave the bag to Abel. The brothers peeked inside. They remembered many of the items as artifacts they had stolen from people in the past. They silently made plans to return these powerful, magical items to their rightful owners. Honestly, you three should be thankful that the Yeti aren't just making you into burritos, said Abel. All you have to do is work around town for a few months, fixing all this stuff you broke, and then they'll let you go. Easy peasy. The Red Cloaks huffed and puffed and grumbled, but they didn't dare try anything. Without their magical items and surrounded by giant Yeti, they knew their only hope was to do what the Yeti said and fix the village. Ari and Abel said their goodbyes to the Yeti, thanking them for their help and for trusting them. The brothers weren't quite sure what they were going to do next, but they knew this was the beginning of their journey to make things right. The End Thanks for listening, friends. The website is kidstoriespodcast.com. The email is kidstoriespodcast at gmail.com. And be sure to subscribe to the Kid Stories Podcast YouTube channel. Adios.